and welcome to episode eight of Saladcast. Back again, it's the full gang. Welcome back, Chris. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Ollie. Delighted to be here and lots to talk about tonight, so looking forward to it. Yep, no, it should be a good one. Welcome back, Mike. Mike has been brought in, um, not forced in, but brought in and come in because um, of the fear of missing out. Yeah, I've got a terrible cough, so I'll be sucking on a lozenge for most of this. Um, I've now got a headache because of the thoughts of playing Wrexham in the Cup, so it's just getting worse for me, but I'm here anyway. And welcome back, Dan. Got a bit of a rant against the EFL, Dan. Yeah, Ollie, thanks, thanks if I can just get this out of the way first, folks. I mean, it, it, obviously, we're going to talk about Shrewsbury Town, and as Chris said, loads to talk about. Um, but I um, I took my junior team to play at Sutton United today, Ollie, and um, uh, I di- didn't really know much about Sutton uh, until we went there. But of course, they used to have a 3G pitch, and they've had to rip it up to uh, join the EFL. Now, I'm a great fan of 3G pitches anyway. You can't play football on those things. You can't play football on anything. But it was more that... Sutton United are looking all round the south of London now for pitches. And we played on a pretty average pitch, way outside the normal kickoff times, all because Sutton now are in a really tough position in terms of their whole junior network and trying to find places to play because they can't play them uh, where they traditionally would. And that's on their 3G pitch. So I just felt a bit sorry for them, really. And I felt the EFL perhaps needed to show a little bit of flexibility. I mean, after all, went to Exeter on Tuesday with their big terrace that they're allowed to have behind the goal. Um, which not they shouldn't really be having, but no flexibility for Sutton. And, of course, their bottom of the league could be going down. So just felt, um, you know, shout out to the to the Sutton United uh, side who are, who are really struggling in a way that, you know, w- we should sort of count our, count our lucky stars that we're actually OK and looking forward to a big FA Cup tie. Yeah, I can see both. I can see why you want football pitches, you know, grass pitches in the football league. I think that's fair enough. But then at the same time, yeah, if you do get into the, you know, if you get into certain divisions, you know, get into championship, you've got time to get seats and things like that. So I can see where you're coming from. Um, podcast this evening. Um, we obviously knew the FA Cup was draw was coming up. We were chatting about this on Saturday. Um, we were, we wanted to play Wrexham when they were utter dog shit, when they were in non-league, Maybe five years ago, when we had Paul Hurst, or you know, when we're doing well, we're really since we've been in League One. We didn't necessarily want to play them at the moment, especially when we've got eleven injured players. So we're going to talk about the Wrexham game, talk about our rivalry, then we're going to go into the last few games. Which, to be fair to Matt Taylor, he's done pretty well since I said we should change manager. Um, so we'll go through the results, go through some discussion points, um, and get get into all the normal stuff that we do. Now Shrewsbury are chasing the winning goal. Stoke City are collapsing here, and it's Doherty, low for Lawrence! Extraordinary! Hopefully, Shooter Town has some players back. Hopefully, maybe another one or two signings as well. Um, weekend around 6th, 7th of Jan, um, Shooter Town will be playing Wrexham. We haven't played Wrexham since April 2008. Um, if you were 21, if you're 21 now, you were five years old when we played last played them. And it's been like over 5,700 days since we've played them. And it's been a long, 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 long time. They spent obviously most of their time in non-league. And we did have a bit of an interesting discussion on our WhatsApp group this afternoon. Um, I always find rivalries with Shrewsbury Town are quite fascinating because we haven't got an obvious, huge, huge, massive rivalry like you would say, a, I know, a Ipswich and Norwich or a, um, or a Sunderland and Newcastle. So we're having quite an interesting debate. And I thought I was probably in the minority of the discussion. Um, and I was obviously, for me, Wrexham are clearly our biggest rival. Um, but I did, I do wonder, Chris, like how fierce is the rivalry? Um, and for, I think for different people, especially of different ages, there'll be different 
experience or thoughts or kind of perceptions of Wrexham? So to me, it's as fierce as it gets. You know, never mind Rangers, Celtic, never mind Manchester United, Manchester City, never mind Real Madrid, Barcelona. You know, Shrewsbury, Wrexham is where it's at as far as I'm concerned. Now, I, obviously, I see that through a lens of being a Shrewsbury Town supporter, but it's historically a strong uh, rivalry that's been there for a long, long time now. And I get what you say, that we haven't played them for 15 years, whatever it is, yeah, 15, 16 years now. But that, to me, just builds the anticipation even higher because this is a game that we've lots of us have been waiting for. And as you said, I agreed entirely that I'd have liked this game three or four years ago when there was a much better chance that we'd give them the, the kicking I want to see us give them, frankly. And this time around, they're going to be uh, tough opposition for us. Though I still fancy us, by the way. Home, home, At home to them, they're still a League Two team, so I still fancy us. But yeah, to me, it's a big, big game and it's one to look forward to. I didn't want this draw. I didn't want to play Wrexham, but that was mainly because of the fear of losing, if I'm honest, because I just don't think I could take being knocked out of the FA Cup by Wrexham. Now we've got them. It has to happen. It's going to happen. And as long as we do beat them, I'm going to bloody love it. And this is, to me, uh, this is what it's all about, uh, playing the games like this. I've, I've I waited years to watch us beat Wrexham. I started watching Shrewsbury back in 1990. We won at Wrexham in 93, but in those days I was just a little kid. I didn't go to the away games. I wasn't there that day. And we didn't beat them again for about another 14 years. And then suddenly Wrexham got a bit shit just before they dropped out of the Football League. And we gave them a kicking two years on the trot. And I saw all of those games. And that was so sweet and so many years in the waiting. And I just, I want to see it again. I just, I still have memories of... Who, who was there when we spanked 3-1 and Leo Fortune West scored an absolute screamer? I can see Dan nodding. Dan was obviously at that one. And that goal has lived with me, for, you know, for the last uh, four, 16 years, whatever it was. I want to see another one. I want to see us take him down and I can't wait for it. So, yeah, for me, this is a massive game, Ollie. And it's a, to me, it is a big rivalry. Now, I know you don't necessarily agree with that, but it's how I feel. And I suspect it's how Shrewsbury fans, maybe of my age, feel. I don't know. No, I think it's, it's very nuanced in what I'm saying. I'm saying it's our biggest rivalry. I think the fact that we haven't played them so long for me isn't that fierce. It isn't burning. Adds to it. At the adds moment. to it. Um, and just, just I'll bring Mike in next with just a couple of. So yeah, I went to the last time we played um, Wrexham at the Racecourse Ground, which was in 2008. Um, you know, obviously quite a police heavy game, helicopters. It was a lot of trouble kicking off. Um, last six times we've played them, we've won um, five of those six times. Um, so we've got a good recent record. It's very funny when you look at history. We've beat them 21 times. We've lost to them 21 times. And we've drawn to them 11 times. So this game is going to tilt the edge. Um, but Mike, what's your kind of perception and what's your view of um, playing Wrexham? And you looking forward to it? Similar to Chris, really. Um, it doesn't get bigger than Wrexham for me. Um, and I was looking, so we, after your discussion, I had a little look and I thought, well, why do I hate Wrexham so much? Obviously, there's the proximity piece. But I started watching the town in 93-94 in and I went back to look and the first seven games we played against Wrexham that I saw, you know, uh, sorry, yeah, the first seven, we, you know, we lost three of them, we drew three of them, we only won one. So constantly seeing them beat, them, beat us or take points off us, not being able to see us beat them and that, that ride we built and built and built. It wasn't until 2006 that I saw the next win after that period, you know. So that's why it means so much for me because when I came up watching Shrewsbury Town, they were the rival and they always felt like they had the whip hand. You know, watching Gary Bennett score at the station end, jump up on the railings and, and then go crazy. You know, it's it's those sort of things that that, that 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 get you when you first start watching football and they get into your soul. You know, quite honestly, Wrexham are the only team that give me a, a sort of physical reaction when I think about watching the town lose to them. You know, 
I, I don't get that feeling from Walsall. I don't get that feeling from Hereford. Uh, I maybe did back in the day with Chester, but pretty much never going to play with them again. And so for me, I think like Chris, it was kind of the draw I wanted for the occasion, but it's the draw I don't want because the potential downside feels so, so, so like you don't even want to consider losing to them. But it also feels like they're the club on the up. I mean, barring a few recent results, we feel like we're a club stagnating a little bit. We don't really know where we're going in our future. So I think it's an absolutely fascinating tie. And I think, um, you know, hopefully it gets a bit more of the attention on this derby through the through the sort of the, the, the prism of the Wrexham documentary and their ownership. I think this sort of confected rivalry they've got with Notts County. I mean, it, it was it was a one season wonder thing. This is a real, true, historic derby. And I hope that it gets the, the, the sort of the, the credit it deserves, but also from our players as well. I hope that they get it drilled into them, what this means for the fan base, what this means for us as a club and what this means as, as, a, as a game in sort of current footballing times, if you will. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely dreading it at the same time. Yeah, I can only echo most of that, Ollie. To be honest, I'm—I guess I'm slightly older than than you guys, and there, there's, the history is quite interesting on this one because, of course, we we won the third division at the end of the 1970s. Wrexham won the third division the year before. Um, they they went up, and then in the early 1980s, which is when I started to go watching the town, um, we were pretty similar sized clubs in the same part of the world, doing pretty well in in what is now the Championship. And I mean, Wrexham were the first to go through the trap doorway before we did that. I can't remember, 83 they went down? I'm not, you know, not, not 100% sure, but early 80s they went down. But the rivalry was there for, for us at that, that early stage. And, you know, the older the older listeners will remember people like Joey Jones. I'm not going to go on too much about him because this is a family pod and the big expletives come out. But that's the point. I remember that from 40-odd years ago. And older listeners will remember that historic rivalry then. I'm also quite intrigued that we don't play them that often. I mean, if I were to ask you, how many times do you think the New England Patriots have met da- the Dallas Cowboys in history? Just 15 times. They've only played each other 15 times in their entire history. Yeah, they're, they're two of the biggest names in American football. In the NFL, they don't play each other that frequently, um, because particularly if you're not in the same conference. So, And yet the rivalries remain remain pretty clear. So for, for me, the fact we don't play each other is not a major issue. It's always been there. Um, the, 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 the This is Wrexham stuff, could have used another word. This, you know, that, that's, that, that all adds to it in my mind. My big worry was exactly like Mike, exactly like Chris, you know, I, I didn't really want to play him. I don't really want to lose to him. But if we win, um, then that will be fantastic. And I'm looking forward to it. The Twins are looking forward to their eight. They haven't got a clue. But they know that Wrexham's a big game. And uh, bring it on, really. It's going to be a great occasion. It would be nice if it is on TV. Though, to be honest, I don't really care if it isn't. The only reason I want to be on TV is just for money. Um, we could get some money. Um, but it is will it be not very, to be on very... a Sunday for BBC Wales? It, it might be, right? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Sunday midday, potentially. Um, but wherever it's going to be, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic occasion. It's going to be one of those games that everyone wants to go to. Um, seats are going to be in, um, yeah, a lot of hot demand. Um, and yeah, Mike, it's going to be a, a good occasion. Yeah, speaking when it's going to be, can anybody see it being a Saturday three o'clock kickoff with just the policing that's going to have to be done and things like no. that? It's going to be a Sunday. It's going to be a Friday. Night. It's going to be one of those sort of less of an occasion because of the kickoff that's going to be. In Surely not a Friday night, night Mike. That, that... Well, the last time we played them was a Saturday, Saturday, wasn't it? <laughs> When we yeah. played them in the league, there was Thursday morning. Was a midday kickoff. <laughs> Thursday morning. But yeah, and I just think that I hope it doesn't go that way. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of rivalry. I'm not a big fan of all the nonsense that comes with it, and the, you know the knuckle draggers that, that follow it around. I want it to be a day where it's really tribal in the ground, but I don't want it to be such a big policing operation that we're you know, all the fans are kettled here and there and it becomes a real drag of a day where everybody's looking over the shoulder. That, that That's not what I want. I want that sort of 
the, the, the tribal rivalry, but none of the nonsense. Yeah, I think it's fair. Any any final comments on, on the Wrexham game, Chris? I don't think it's going to be on telly. That's one thing I'll say. Uh, while Well, if it is, it'll be on S4C. I think S4C tend to pick up the Wrexham games these days. They, they love a bit of Wrexham, so we'll, we'll, you get some money from that. So I imagine that might happen. But sadly, while you know I've told to me it might be bigger than Real Barca or whatever, I do accept that if you're an average football fan anywhere else in the country, Shrewsbury-Wrexham probably sounds like an incredibly dull thing to watch. And it? It's League One versus League Two, and I can't see that game picked in the third round of the FA Cup. Love to be wrong, but I can't see it, even with Wrexham. So, uh, yeah, well, I don't see it being on telly, but it's a massive occasion. And uh, I suspect for all the reasons we've already covered, it'll be a Sunday lunchtime or something. I'll live with that, whatever, as long as they don't. What I really don't want. Do you remember when we played Liverpool way back in 96 and the policing then got so involved that they made us kick off at 11 a.m. in the morning? And that really was ridiculous. You know, 12.30 if they must, but once you start dropping into a morning kickoff, that just feels a bit daft. So we wait and see what happens with that, I suppose. But huge occasion, bring it on. And uh, yeah, let's just make sure we win. Make sure we win. Do you reckon we can make a bit more money out of it like Yeovil did? We were watching them earlier on. They had Aldi on the front of their shirts. And I I said (laughs) on our group, our group WhatsApp, how long have they been sponsored by Aldi? And the answer was one game. So do you reckon (laughs) with, you know, with the supermarket clothes, can we get Lidl on the front of our shirts for a game? Make a few grand, yeah. yeah. Get get one. Get imagine Morris property it, really. be too chuffed about that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Cool. So I thought it was interesting. There's potential money in it. I think somewhere for us. If nothing. Yeah. Else. Hopefully. Well, fingers crossed. As I said on Saturday, hopefully we 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 beat them in extra time, which is always the best time to win a game. And then yeah, we get Man United or Tottenham away and get like twenty million quid in the bank pocket, and yeah, we can we can again fund 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 our club for the next few years so yeah i think that's it one on final Wrexham. thought ollie one final thought are we are we going to see you on welcome to Wrexham? when they played notts county they got that tom williams off twitter who's a big notts county tweeter and he became and he was on the i noticed he was on that documentary talking about that game he came across really well actually and they clearly like to do that find fans of the opposition i could just see for shrewsbury ollie you might be getting you know ryan reynolds sliding into your dms in the next few weeks <laughs> no pressure <laughs> ollie no pressure at all mate <laughs> i would that say if, been... if, they, if i'd say if they want one of us on on the Disney documentary. I think Ollie's probably the best one because I don't think the rest of us have put anything out that they could broadcast, to be honest with you. <laughs> Just make sure you get a good appearance for Ollie. Well, it's funny you say, because I've seen, I've seen you soon, you know, right? people always get funny about rivalries and they say this and that and people like to pretend they don't care. But I thought it was interesting that um, the two, um, there's two Wrexham podcasts, at least two Wrexham podcasts reached out to me already. Um, even before they'd even beaten Yeovil, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, and there's a potential maybe you might do something with one of the Wrexham podcasts just to kind of, I think, you know, we haven't played them for so long. Maybe it would be great to bring a bit of the kind of the rivalry and the history together, especially for the younger fans that kind of don't understand this. And I think what you guys have added there will, will surely add some of the tapestry of of the game coming into it. Um, so that's, that's Shrewsbury Town against a, a League Two side, uh, but we've got another League Two side to talk about later on. Um, so let's let's jump into the, the recent results. Tidy. So I'll go through the results and we just do a normal shing and then we go wherever we want, as we do very beautifully. So this podcast we're going to be covering, we've got four league games to cover and then the FA Cup game um, to cover as well. And we had a very interesting um, tie against Reading at home, which was a fantastic occasion for the last few minutes. It was one of the worst games I've seen for a really long time. To be 2-0 down to a Reading side that had not won at home for nearly a a year um, and to concede two really soft goals. Tom Bayliss scored. 
just before half time, and then um, Dunkley scored um, from a corner, and Shaha scored from a kind of recycled corner from a Bentley cross. And what an absolutely fantastic moment! I thought it was really interesting in this game. I, I, I will go to Mike. I thought it was interesting that Taylor was running down the, the sideline and with the Shaha goal. Um, was that uh, just a, a just release of tension, or was there maybe something bigger lying on the on the line for that one? I think that was a reaction from the, the almost the story of the game at two 0 down. It was it was verging on well, not verging on. It was getting pretty toxic. There was some Taylor out chance. There was some really, you know, hostility in the home ends. I think, and I think if he hadn't pulled it back, if we hadn't had those three goals, which let's be honest, I don't think we were worth three goals in that game. They were late. They were they were they were stolen. They were, you know, the the, the corners were good and stuff. But you know, that was smash and grab stuff against a team that are really struggling. If you hadn't turned that round, you know, would he be in charge today? Um, I'm not sure you'd be able to make a very convincing argument for that, but he did. And you could see the relief in his face. And maybe post-Blackpool, that's what spurred him on, really. You know, he could, he maybe found something there that he could pull out the team. I'm, I'm not sure I'm seeing it yet. But yeah, that um, that was a big relief moment for him and for the team as well, I think. Those sort of turnaround results are amazing for, for team confidence and cohesion, I think. But um, yeah, interesting and reaction. The, and the trouble with this team is that we have those big home wins. We have the one against Derby. And then we went to Blackpool and we were utterly, utterly dog shit. Now, while didn't expect us to go to Blackpool and get a result, because Blackpool are a good side, they were, they've got a good manager, they've recruited well, they've got some good players, a couple of good players obviously we know about as well, Pennington and Norburn. But for me, it was the the, the kind of the display and the display was abysmal. Um, I've been very sceptical about Taylor um, from the start. Um, haven't seen hardly anything in open play, which gives me cause for optimism going forward. And by now, we should at least see something um, to kind of put our hat to. Um, but at the moment, we're just to just lump it forward and hope for the best. Um, at this game, I thought, I think it's now time for a change. Um, but to be credit to, to the manager and the players, since then, uh, since the Blackpool game, we have done, we've done pretty well, you know. Got a 2-1 win at home to Port Vale. Matter got his first goal. That was a great header. Great cross from Shipley. Superb ball from Bennett to get it. And then a doe scored, scored as well. Um, and then um, then we went to Exeter. And we were, again, atrocious um, in open play. Didn't really look like we were going to score. But we did a few chances. Um, but interesting discussion, Dan. You went to that game at Exeter. Like, What was your thoughts coming out of the ground? That home was a long, long way away, Ollie. That was my first thought um, on a cold night. Um, but I mean, I think it's quite interesting. I mean, you, you could you can make stats say many things, right? But the last thirteen games, we've won seven, we've drawn two, and we've lost four. Right? That's including the cup games. But um, I, I think that actually, when, when I saw that stat, and a friend of mine, John Wigley, gave it me earlier today, I thought actually that that's pretty good. Um, now, on it's good Tuesday, if you're watching on Sally on Teletext. Yeah, I was going to say on Tuesday. Um, I think there was there was probably more quality at my vets game on Friday night than there was on on Tuesday at Exeter. It was an abysmal game of football. But there are two teams who are, even though we've statistically not got a bad record at the moment, just just through the floor in terms of confidence. Now we had two really good chances to win the game, and clearly that's what Taylor was playing for. He didn't care how much possession they had. He, he was open that one of those chances would, would would be tucked away, and you know it might have been that um, we did have the opportunity to do that. So at Exeter, I felt it was through gritted teeth, a point one, because we're rubbish away from home. We've proved that, um, but we dug in. People like Aaron Pierre, who I will never have as a Laurent Blanc type centre-half. He, he's a body-on-the-line merchant. 
and he did it all right. You know, he couldn't kick the ball straight, but he put his body on the line. He got in the way. And I thought that's something to build on. And sometimes an away point, even Exeter, who'd lost the last 150 games on the banks or whatever it was, I thought that actually is a is a marker in the sand and we've done all right there. So the long drive home was all right. I felt that's that's the type of game we could quite easily have lost. So I was reasonably positive. Did I think we'd go on and win at Notts County? Uh, no. I really did not, but but I'm not surprised that we put in a performance because Taylor's shown that there there are occasions when his teams can dig in and and, and dig something out. So um so yeah, Tuesday was actually all right in terms of uh, nil nil draws far far from home. And Chris, what was your what was your thoughts? I want to go back to sort of comments on a couple of those games. We talked about Reading and the three two and the two late goals and what a terrible game it was. I just want to say, as a football fan, if you watch your team come from behind, score two goals in injury time to win a football match, you have got to enjoy that. And I was confused, to be honest, by some fans who almost seemed unhappy that we'd won that match. I can't get that mentality. I don't but care we how we could just do a are. bit of straw poll then, just to check the sense before we go, so we don't get any, any misconceptions. Like no Mike, accusations your, to anyone in this room. Well, that's just <laughs> want to clarify. So, Mike, what was your thoughts when when that third goal went in? What were you doing? Oh, utter delight! I, I was dancing, I was laughing, I, I couldn't believe it. And it was—it's the joy that brings you to the football. Those sort of occasions. And the cold there were people near us, weren't there, Mike? Oh, we're not necessarily was, reacting yeah, in the same way. Very, and Dan, very what was your what was your that. what was your reaction? If if you can't enjoy a three-two win, having been two-nil down, scoring two goals in injury time, don't go to the football. Yeah. Just don't go because it was brilliant, Ollie. And you know, I was jumping up and down. But two like things can be true at the same time. But can I? So and it was no I, I was jumping to me. around. I was jumping around. Well, let, let me let me add my well, how I celebrated, Chris. Um, in terms of for me, yeah, it was absolutely magical moment. I was with Callum in in where we stand in block seventeen, jumping around for joy. Um, and you're right, you've got to, especially as being a Shrewsbury Town fan, you've got to take the wins and enjoy the wins. So for me, yeah, two things can be true at the same time. Um, we were terrible in open play, um, but at the same time, I completely loved um, the win, um, and just as much as I loved um, the win against Port Vale, which are a very distant rival if there was if there is one um there um but yeah um yeah back to you chris so for me it was no different to the, it was very similar to the game against forest green from the season before when we also scored twice in injury time to win a football match and we'd been dreadful that day as well by the way we were terrible again in that forest green game we were terrible for 85 minutes and then in injury time we scored two goals i mean that's the truth for that game but at the time we had a manager who a lot of the fans were buying into and the noise wasn't there around it and people were just able to enjoy it and I do feel right now some fans need to get back to enjoying when we do do things well because you, as we, they don't always happen in this game. And that Reading game for me was a memory. And when I look back on this season, I suspect I'll remember those, those four minutes of football with, with great affection. So, Mike, I can see you want to come in. Yeah. I've got more to say, but I'll, no, no, I'll no, no, no. I, I think I think I think like always says two things between the cold light of day. The next day you can you can sort of come down off that high of the win and enjoying the result and think. Yeah, we were poor for the majority of that game. We didn't look after the ball. We did cough up easy chances. We didn't sort of nick the goals we got. You can analyse it afterwards. And if you can't take it in the moment, yeah, there's there's an issue. Um, so I, I just think you've got to kind of... And the other thing I noticed the other week, actually, I think it was on the last home game that we went to. There was a moment where we were beating Port Vale where our home fans in Block 19 were chanting, how shit must you be? We're, beat, we're winning at home or we, you're, you're, we scored two goals or something like that. And Shea Dunkley looked at the crowd and he was like, what the fuck? What, what do you want? Like, we're 2-0 up against Port Vale here and you're still giving us dogs. Like, why aren't, for this 90 minutes, back us? Like, Dunkley's pretty good on Twitter at, like, reacting quite um, 
respectfully and understanding like criticisms but he's i can understand why he looked at the crowd and he was like what do you want here you know if we if you're not going to cheer us on we've got a good home record we we, we win a lot of games at home yeah i couldn't get my head around and there was another week where somebody shouted shipley when he's taking the throw in and shipley at the crowd he was like well that's not going to help me is it you know shouting that my managers are whatever i just I, i can't get my head around not backing them when they're doing something well, I think, is, is and backing them in the 90 minutes as well. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's, I, there's no point, like for me, booing at half time. Um, there's no point shouting abuse at your own players, that just doesn't make but, any sense to me. But I'm not a happy clapper. I will, I will boo rubbish stuff from the town. I have booed, I will shout, This isn't good enough, this needs to be better. I will, you know, if people aren't doing well enough, but to criticize the team when they're winning 2 0 and to shout at somebody taking a throw in. Madness, madness. I didn't go to Blackpool, but I can imagine that the players would have stood there and taken everything that the crowd threw at them at Blackpool. I did go to Lake Norient and we were okay for 20 minutes, then rubbish for 70. And none of those players were expecting us to, to treat them as heroes. I, I think the players are pretty realistic. They, they know what's what. It's Some of the fans are all over the place. Yeah, Kristen, yeah, let, let you carry on because yeah, you certainly didn't finish what you had to right. say. So, well, I finished on Reading, I suppose. But, yeah, some of you, you've picked up. We're talking about the Port Vale game there. We went on to win another football match. And, you know, here are you know, the facts. Uh, Dan has already set out one fact. We've won seven of our last, was it 13, you said, Dan? Seven wins, two draws, four defeats. That's a fact. Football's, yeah, the football's not been brilliant. But football is a results business. And the facts are that at home, at least, we've been getting results in recent games. And our, uh, the fact is we currently have the sixth best home record in League One. That's a fact. It can't be, it can't be disputed. It is a Last iron fact. Our problem has been away from home, where we have got two goals to show for our efforts, one win, two draws, and that's it. Uh, but I do think there's a factor here in that there'd be less pressure on this manager maybe 10, 15 years ago, when the majority of your fans were only seeing the home games. And I do wonder these days if the dawn of things like I follow and, you know, dodgy stick, dodgy uh, fire sticks, so that suddenly we're all watching pretty much every game, whether you're there or not. And that away form is therefore being seen more and there's a and there's a general noise. Social media adds to that noise as well. And I I just feel I can I can sense some frust- why the players would feel frustrated about that, because certainly at home, they're not doing as bad as some people would make. You know, you'd listen to some of the noise around us and think that our football club's failing. But right now it's mid table in League One and it's in the third round of the FA Cup. Those are also two facts and they're two facts that are and not something that we should be too disappointed at. Mid-table in League One isn't a bad place for Shrewsbury Town. Third round of the FA Cup for the seventh year in a row. There's a lot of things that we're still doing well. And I just want to stick up for them a little bit, I suppose. And I know I, I, I can be accused of being a happy clapper or whatever you want to call me. And I'll complain when we're poor, but it's not a complete shit show at the moment. It, it, we've had worse years. We've all been watching town for years. We've had seasons when we're at the bottom of the table, going uh, facing obvious relegation, and there's there's almost no hope. I don't think we're in that position right now. I think while things could be better, we're not a complete and utter shambles. That's Mike. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say that the people who sort of sat last year and, and loved Steve Cottrell and were disappointed he left and were pissed off that Matt Taylor became manager and took the first sort of, First, first 10 games of the season to say how terrible Matt Taylor was by comparison. Actually, at the end of the day, Steve Cox was lauded for playing pretty poor football where we didn't look after the ball. We didn't play any football, but it was a results business. And Steve Cottrell got us a brilliant finish. We were 12th in the league. Well, where are we now under Matt Taylor? We're 12th in the league. The football's still shit. It's arguably shit. I think, I think we're a worse team this season. I think we play awful football. I've seen nothing on the pitch to show that the guy's got a tactical game plan. I still maintain that the squad is poor quality. 
But you look at the table and we're sat 12th. Yes, we've, there's some games in hand underneath us. But if you're going to lord Steve Cottrell for poor football but a good end result, I, I, I don't see how you, can, you, can, you can't knit the same circle for, for uh, Matt Taylor, even though I don't like to do. You, you can't argue with the results. Yes, that's yeah. my point exactly. And I do feel that if we can be in this position when we're not playing well, hopefully he can improve things. And if we can improve a little bit as a football team, does that allow us to at least sustain this position or even push on? I'm just saying it's not, there's, it's not, there's nothing, there's no hope as it were. I don't feel like we're a doomed team who can, who's going to be in league two next season. I think there's every reason to believe we'll still be a league one side and hopefully a better one than we are right now. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd say we've scored 10 goals away from home um, in 10 games. Pompey have only scored four more. Pompey have only scored four more. So, you know, it's no other. we've got a great home record as well. We've only conceded nine, um, which is a great home. So, home record is really good. Got, and, you got to, and, you, and you're right. I think in terms of Steve Cottrell, Steve Cottrell's football was atrocious. We never scored anything in open play, did we? Let's be honest. We were very heavily reliant on set pieces. Um, and you've got to give credit to the players and the manager for getting those results and getting us into a really good position. Now, my concern is long term that you know this isn't sustainable because I think you know we're scoring from set pieces. Um, you know we'll come on to Notts County game. You know those kind of games are, are, are freaks, um, and then they're not sustainable. But totally agree with you, Chris. I'd rather be not playing very well for twelfth and in the third round of the FA Cup um, than being um, yeah down the bottom. Um, and yeah, hopefully maybe this can be a bit of a transition season. Maybe Matt Taylor can really learn from this as well. Uh, and they can. And I think one thing we'll have to say is that the players are definitely working for him. You know, there was at times maybe in the season some people were maybe questioning that, but I don't see that anymore. Um, so there has been some progress under this period as well. So I think that's that's fair to say. Yeah, if we go into the Notts County game, though, Ollie, I, th- I think, I mean, I, I I agree with a lot of what Mike said in his last contribution there, but there, there definitely was a tactical game plan, and, and there was an Exeter. It, it doesn't get me out of my seat. I mean, at Exeter, we, we were playing very much for those two or three chances that came along. I don't know what the possession was against Exeter, but they definitely had a lot more of the ball. I do know what it was against Notts County. It was 24%, and yet we scored three goals. So what I would say about that game plan, I say it's not exciting, but all three of those goals, it wasn't the low block. It was choosing the opportunity to really put players under pressure. And all three of those goals went, you know, the comedy fall over for the first... Uh, then we had, you know, the defensive cock-ups for both of the second and third were because the front three were right up and at them. Now, again, they're trying to pick their moment to do that. It, you know, it can bore the pants off everybody when they don't go and do it and we just wait for the opposition to get to our halfway line. But I thought, to be fair to, um, you know, to Taylor, the tactical game plan in both those games worked. It's just that Dan Ado didn't, um, you know, d- didn't score in either of those two chances against Exeter, whereas Ryan Bowman... and. I don't buy that those chances, those chances were missable. Well, the first one probably wasn't missable. But, but the other two, he could quite easily have put, put those wide, you know. And uh, I think we, we, we should be, we should take, take our hat off a little bit to how the, 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 the option to press, the option to press was taken and we put the defenders under pressure and, and they made mistakes. Now, as you just said, Ollie, they were howlers of like, you know, they were weapons grade howlers. You don't want to get that every week. But I like the way that we tried to go at the right time and it worked. Yeah, I think it's hard for us to comment too much on the Notts County game. None of us went to that. 
Um, it wasn't available to watch online. Um, and yeah, credit where credit's due, we, we pressed them. You know, we gambled. You know, one of the things we criticised is not putting players forward. But you've in the goals, you've got Shipley going forward. You've got Danado and Bowman. That playing, you know, he's playing two strikers as well. Um, and fair play for you know Bowman. He's still, still got to take those chances. They might have fallen to him quite easily, but he took them. Um, and I hope he enjoyed his Friday night and maybe even Saturday night um, this weekend because, yeah, he thoroughly deserves the plaudits. I did find the reaction from the general football community quite hilarious, uh, where there was um, everyone seeing these goals just like match-fixing, uh, which I thought was quite funny. If people are going to match-fix, they've got to do it better than that, folks. I speak to someone <laughs> who writes on corruption. You, you do it better than that. You don't be that bad. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> so having been really mr positive in the last few minutes i will there's one negative i wanted to bring from that Notts county game actually and i, I was listening to uh, matt taylor's post-match interview after that game i don't know if anybody's listened to that or read back on it so there was a comment he made when he talked about the game plan and the reason we'd basically played without played the way we did and sat back as it were and he said that Notts county are a really good footballing team and if we tried to go toe-to-toe with them we'd have come out second best and he said you know there's no doubt if you go toe-to-toe with a side like them, they're going to be better than us. I find that upsetting, given that we're the higher division team of the two. It's a bit its a bit frustrating to hear our manager say that a League Two team are better footballers than us. So, I, And I know Notts County have earned a reputation for playing a great brand of football, and they've clearly got some quality, and they've got a good promotion chance this season and whatever else. But I still don't want to hear my manager telling me that a lower division team's better than us. So that was a, that's my little moan, as you were, Ollie, just to show that I'm inconsistent. I think it's fair to say, Chris, I don't think you could have teed this set, next section up any better than that. Um, and for my question is for the guys in the pot. So we've got 11 players injured. I was going to run through them. So Shahar's injured, Fanning's injured, Feeney's injured, a terrible um, kidney issue. Um, Thorpe's injured, Finnegan's injured, Fleming's injured, Nurse injury is injury, Perry, Bayliss and Phillips. Um, pretty much uh, 10 outfield players there are injured. Um so there's a lot of injuries to the team. We have to play the same players. We can't rotate, blah, 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 et cetera. Um, I do take your point there, Chris. You know, Notts County were a non-league side last year. So, you know, they're doing well. They're sixth, I think, in League Two, um, but still in League Two. And you'd hope by now, after being at the club for quite a few months, he'd maybe be able to instill a little bit more um, coaching maybe into the first team. But my question to you guys is, is our injury crisis an excuse for not playing any football? And I'll go to you, Dan, first, because you the last time you know, you've seen us play for them more recently with Exeter. Is is the injury crisis an excuse for just playing direct defensive football? Well, I don't think Matt Taylor uses it an excuse. I was very pleased to hear him say in that interview that Chris has just referred to, when he was asked about the injuries, is Lyme as it is what it is. We just got to get on with it. We just got to make do. Imagine what Steve Cottrell would have said. You'd have had a, a three-minute tirade about how the world ate Shrewsbury Town. The man was paranoid. Right, Matt Taylor, it is what it is, guys. We've got to deal with it. Now, I, I don't think we'd be playing too much different if we had almost all of those players back. Why? Because I've got no faith in the people in the middle of the park. Well, actually, I tell you what, and do they have... It's a question to you, Bill, to that. Do you think the, the staff have faith in our squad? Well, I, I think Kenner is improving. And I think you take him out of the midfield, we have no midfield. Carl Winchester, good old Winnie Esther. I was really pleased when he came back in the summer. I don't recall him doing much of note in the entire season so far. He doesn't get the ball. When he does get the ball, I don't really know what he's trying to do with it. You know, and you know, people like Perry. Perry wants to go forward and attack. I don't see Perry as a genuine midfield player. We've got a problem getting the ball in the right place there because the ball's just going over the top of them. Yeah, but but the point for me is that 
I don't have any faith in them doing anything with the ball if we were to give it them in the right place. We haven't got the right players there. Now, we may have thought we had at the beginning of the season, but if if Taylor's going to play a more possession-based type of football, we need to get at least two people in the middle of the park who have got more confidence to do something with it. So that's nothing to do with the injuries because we haven't got them, right? So if in January we could get two players who can hold the ball and pass the ball, it would make a massive difference. And the injuries there are actually a side note. They're a really difficult, awkward side note, but they don't change the situation in the middle of the park. Mike, what do you view on that? Yeah, uh, I, I think, like, like Dan says about the injury crisis, there's an excuse. Well, we weren't playing any football before the injury crisis, so I don't see how you can hold it as an excuse. And, you know, like I said, fully fit squad, we weren't knocking the ball around like Brazil, were we? So I think that's interesting. And I just think, like, uh, I, I try and defend Win- Winchester a bit because we've seen he's capable of doing it. He was brilliant last season. He was brilliant. So he can do it. He's played a lot of the season at fullback and swapping from wing back to centre mid to wing back to centre mid is disruptive. He can't get a rhythm playing in the centre midfield doing 20 minutes at the end of a game or 20 minutes at the start of a game. We get an injury and they shuffle the pack again and he's back out at right back. If he, I, I think if he had a good, consistent run in centre midfield and he, like Dan says, confidence is a huge thing. He gets a few passes in, maybe creates a couple of goals. I think we can get him back to where he was. I wouldn't write him off. So Dan's point about people who can hold it and give it, you've got Kenner, he can hold it, but he can't give it. And you've got Winchester who can give it, but he can't hold it. So the kind of half the puzzle is 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 done there, isn't it? And I think finding that combination of the two down there and the three up top, it, it's it's eluded us all season. You know, sort of playing playing Udo deep and playing Matter and Bowman seem to work for a little bit. But I think the problem with our team is because every single wing back that we signed has got injured, or every single person backup wing back gets injured. With 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 square pegs and round holes there, and it just it, it robs us of any width, so everything goes through the middle, and we're a very very narrow team, and it just it gums it all up, and it's hard to play in there. Then I think I think it's I think some of the problems we see are, 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 are sort of an extension of the issues we've seen the wing the, the width injuries that we've got. And I'd love to actually hear them actually ask the manager about this, um, because to be honest, I've stopped listening to the post match interviews because while Matt Taylor is like fairly honest. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't play games, and he doesn't, he doesn't whinge um, like some managers you've mentioned, Dan. Um, I don't learn anything from it. I don't learn anything. I don't hear like, oh, this is what the game plan was, or this is what he's doing, and he keeps his cards very close to his chest, which is interesting and, and sensible sometimes. But also, I'd like to know a little bit more about why we are playing this way. And is this this the long term? I don't know. Maybe he'll come out in, in January when we sign a few players, and maybe he'll say something. But I think. I would like to know that this isn't just the future, because if this is the future, then for me that's quite that's quite um, dark. And um, what's your what's your opinion on this injury crisis, style of football, Chris? Or, or are you quite happy with this style of football? Like, you know, you're still happy, happy clapper. You don't really care. We're getting the results. Doesn't matter. He if loves you it. Only, you know he, does. he doesn't care about ten percent passing, one shot on target, as long as we win one nil. So I was always clear from the very start of the season that I would like to see Shrewsbury play more football, and that's what kind of what Matt Taylor promised us, didn't he? And in the that's early two or three, problem. Yeah. him and him and director football both promised Shrewsbury Town fans that we'd see more football, and we haven't seen it. In the early two or three games, you saw that they were trying to. I, I mean, Leeds was one that stood out for me. I only saw that on telly, but we you could see that day what it felt to me like what we were trying to do. I remember watching that game and feeling encouraged and thinking if we're going to take on a championship team like this, what are we going to be like in League One? And so, yeah, there's a frustration there that that's not materialised. And if anything, I saw something on social media, I think it was today or yesterday, a stat showing our possession stats and how they've gone down as the season's gone on. And I don't know if you remember, in those first two or three games, we were getting 
between 45 and 60 percent. You know, we were over 50 percent regularly in those early games. And then it's drifted away to the point now where, you know, we're, we're dropping below 30 at times. And so, yeah, the football's a frustration. The injuries, I do have sympathy for him. I mean, 11 injuries is going to hurt any League One football club. It's an incredible number. Steve Cottrell bemoaned injuries last season. And I would be... I had tiny amounts of sympathy, but I thought if you build a 17-man squad, you're asking for trouble. And he kind of, I felt last season, if our approach was to go on quality over quantity, which I understood to an extent, he was vulnerable to an injury crisis. I do feel a bit sorry for Taylor when he's deliberately built a bigger squad and he's still seen it decimated to the point that we had to go to the Knox County and put five kids on the substitute bench. You know, we've been we've been absolutely mullered by those injuries. And to play two games in 72 hours with such a tight squad at the moment and to get a draw and then a win in the FA Cup, it's, not, it's actually a pretty good achievement, especially given they were both away games. And as we've already covered, we're bloody dreadful away from home. So those two results have surprised me. I expected to lose at Exeter and I expected to be knocked out of the FA Cup by Notts County. That's the honesty of where my mind was and what I expected to happen this week. So I was relieved that it's been a different story and we're now looking forward to the third round of the FA Cup. I do have sympathy for the injuries, but no, I'd obviously like to see more football. And I think I think I I don't think those positions are inconsistent. I think I can hold all those things at the same time. I get those positions, Chris. And I, and I, I just to be clear, you know, the amount of injuries we've got and significant injuries too. Not, not a little one that's going to keep you out for a week. Are you know they're a nightmare for a club like us to, to deal with. But Chris, I've got a question for you. So, if you could have any three players back tomorrow, who are the first three you'd go for, and why? Um, and I'll, I'll lead on from that. And would they make any difference to the way we play? Correct. So, I, I, I thought you, I'd seen that question on Twitter from somebody asking one. So, I had an answer Ma. for that. But three, you're pushing me. I, I hadn't yeah, seen. I hadn't seen that. To be fair, uh, sorry, I missed that. So, if I was going to pick one, I was going to say Bayless because while I still don't think he's been at his best this season, I, I he's our most creative player. And if anybody's going to change things for us creatively, it's him. And I do think we his positions changed in the last few games when he was playing. The managers moved him from an eight more to a ten, as he's kind of played as. He's had a striker with two off him, and he's been one of those two. And I think that's probably a better position for Bayless. I like Taylor Perry. You mentioned Taylor Perry. He's the one of the new signings who's impressed me, and I think we miss him for his energy in midfield. And then after that, I'm not sure, really, to be honest, probably one of the centre-backs simply because we're so blue and short there, Dan. So, yeah, I'd probably pick a third. You know, Jason Shrahar has surprised us all by how well he did when he came into the side. And obviously, he's out now, and he's been a miss. Feeney, when he came back, did really well as well. So even he made, you know, he he played really well in, was it the Port Vale game? I was impressed by Feeney. So to find him out with a, a lacerated kidney, for God's sake. I mean, what the hell is a lacerated kidney? Well, that's the kind of thing we're getting now. We're getting sounds injuries horrific. that sound like something. It sounds absolutely horrific. Yeah. yeah, Whatever it is, I do not want it. Yeah, Lacerated but, means cut. How do you cut the kidney? Has he been sliced open? I don't understand. Chris, what I would say, though, <laughs> I, I get all of that. And I'll have all of those three players back tomorrow, please, if they're on offer. That won't change the way we play. My issue is we, we need, okay, at least one more and Winchester playing well around Kenner in the middle. And only then will the type of football really change. And that's I, that's, a, that's a transfer window thing or, to I be think, honest, it's a summer thing. I think the football only change, you know, if, you give, you, if you're saying, you know, dream world, they come back fully fit. Nurse and Thorpe changes the way we play completely. Actual, yeah. proper. I was going to say Fleming and Thorpe. Yeah. Fleming and Thorpe. Thorpe is almost, you know, your, one of your favourite um, sayings, Dan, you know, in terms of, you know, you know, if you, you haven't seen him or you're not seeing him, kind of like, you know, you, you want them more. You know, I can't think of how you say it, but yeah. In... Players always get better on the bench, Ollie. Yeah, that's it, exactly. And we haven't even seen Thorpe. I saw him at Starbridge. Um, and I think having two genuine wing backs would make a huge difference, especially as Fleming has played in the Championship. 
Thorpe is, is um, a Luton player. Um, you know, obviously they think quite highly of him. Um, and then yeah, maybe add Bayliston. Um, I would love, like, I'd love just to have a ask Matt Taylor. Like, are the players so shit that you can't play football with them? Because that's what it looks like. I don't, I didn't believe it. I thought I'd hope for more. And but yeah, I think Mike, Mike and Chris. I think, I think they're absolutely under instruction. Oh, of course they're under instruction because, not to play football at all. I was I was watching, I can't remember which weekend it was, no, Joe Anderson, who I think is a good footballer. He's comfortable on the ball, he can control it and he can pass the ball. He's blooting it straight at the middle of the pitch every time he's got it. He's not looking for a pass. And it's, like you say, they can't be that limited. Surely they can string two or three passes together. And, and that's just a bit to slam of it up the biggest pitch, puzzle yeah. for me. The biggest puzzle. And it could be that they've never, they don't get the chance to play together. So maybe that's part of it. And there's always dropping and changing, so it's hard to build. But anyway, Chris. They've got all week to play together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are they doing? Yeah, wasn't my point, but I'll follow up from Mike there. I agree on Anderson. I think he's a really good footballer with a really good left foot. And yeah, you're right. We're seeing less of that in recent weeks because he's shown at times that he can pick a pass. He seemed to strike. A, he seemed to hit a bit of a crisis of confidence almost. He lost form, lost his place in the team, and he's had to come back into it recently simply because we got so few players that there's no one, no one else to play there. And you're right. Since he's come back in, we're seeing a lot of Route One from him. Strange, isn't it? Because Taylor's a manager who, you know, you listen to Warsaw fans. He tried to play too much football. They'll tell you. They'll tell. You, they'll tell you that their Warsaw team was ticky tackering everywhere and losing every week. And I mean, you know, and yet that's not. So he's gone the other way with us. We're getting none of that, but still, unfortunately, too many defeats at times. But I don't know. The other point I just wanted to make. You mentioned Fleming, and it's a really good point. When I was asked who should I bring back, I could see the wing back call is is a really good one. And Fleming is a player who impressed me when he did come in, and he took a game or two to get fit because he hadn't played a lot of football, but he was starting to look really good. So his injury to me has been a loss for us because he looked like someone who had a lot to offer. I thought so. Yeah, it'd be great if he's back soon as well. And it's hard to say. Taylor keeps his cards close to his chest, doesn't he? But you get the impression that he's maybe not far away. No, I think hopefully we'll find out a little bit more when Stu Dunn starts asking questions about January. And yeah, there was the rumor circulating that um, that Jack Price was going to maybe start coming and coming to Shrewsbury from America. Well, he played in Canada, actually, didn't he? Um, but hopefully, was it Canada? Yeah, Montreal. Was it Montreal? Who did he play? Sorry, I'm going to edit this bit. Who did he Colorado. play? Colorado. He played for the Colorado Rapids. Oh, so in Denver. Okay, I'm going to start again. So you do maybe hope that maybe we'll sign someone, you know, like like Jack Price, who's played in the championship and was playing in MLS. Maybe he can bring a bit of quality to the midfield. Maybe we can sign a few players. But obviously, um, I did go to the CEO's meeting. Um, I don't think we'll mention too much on it now. We've, we've, we've gone on quite a bit now um, this evening. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if we are in a financial position to really kind of blow blow the budget. But maybe, you know, maybe promise of FA Cup money will let, I mean, Roland will give, um, give Mickey Moore a little bit more money to spend. But um, before we kind of close and look ahead, a couple of news stories, and I thought maybe just worth looking at the fixture list. Um, any um, any any final thoughts or comments on the last few fixtures, and obviously the Notts County Notts County win. No, I'm just going to say echo that point. We've had a, actually a really good month, folks. It doesn't yeah. mean the next month is going to be great, um, but let, let's enjoy it at this moment in time. Um, we've got things you to look forward that. to. You say that. You look at our fixtures. We've got Wickham away. Struggling. Saturday. They're struggling. They're struggling. We're ahead of them in the league. Lee he hope he's really well, by the way. Hope he's yep. well. He hope he's well. But him and um, Phillips are below us in the league table. Then we've got Portsmouth. That's a tough one at home. But we're good at home. Um, then we've got Peterborough, who are doing pretty well. But then we've got Cheltenham, our friends Cheltenham, on 26th of December. And then Burton Albion away on the 29th of December. So 
in December, for me, there are winnable games in there. And if we get, you know, if we win, could easy, we could quite easily win three of those games, win two, maybe get two draws. Um, I don't look at those fixtures now and think that's five defeats. So I would, you mentioned uh, Portsmouth there. That's our next home game. And that's in a classic game, actually, where our, I think our supporters do need to be a little bit understanding and get behind the team that day. Because, yes, we've got a good record at home. Has anyone noticed Portsmouth's away record this season? In all competitions, Portsmouth have played 11 games away from home. They're unbeaten in those 11 games. They have won six of their last seven away games. And they've won all of their last four away games, including the 3-0 win at Northampton that they got on Saturday. So, And no Portsmouth... team goes all season unbeaten, Chris. It's our time. So, yeah, that run has to come to an end and it'd be brilliant, wouldn't it, if it was us who took it off. Them. And if that, and if we do that by playing scrappy football and we nick a 1-0 win, yeah, it might not be pretty. But like I just said, that record needs to be remembered. Portsmouth Football Club are coming here as a strong, strong team. And, you know, our team need our fans to get behind them, not to be on their back from the first whistle. And again, if that, again I, I don't like the phrase happy clapper. I don't like it when football fans turn on each other. I don't think it's a controversial thing to say I want to support my team in no, a, think, a home game think... against the league leaders. And I think I just want to kind of cover on this point again. You know, as a football fan, you have the right to whinge and moan, but at the same day, there still are players and our team, and we want them to do well. Um, and we want them, you know, I would love it, absolutely love it, if Matt Taylor at some point gets poached by a championship team, because that means he has been successful with us. Um, and I, I, you know, we all love it, and we go to the game, even though Reading was um, a bit of a, a crazy game of football, I left that stadium with a smile on my face because we won a game. Um, and that's the, that's the bit that we're all wanting. And the reason we're discussing about the play, the start of play and all this kind of stuff, because that's most likely the way you're going to get better results. But yeah, we definitely want some um, some victories. And yeah, fingers crossed. You know, we love it, don't we, being that team, the smaller League One team that upsets the apple cart and beats the big boys. Um, you know, when we beat Derby this season, that was a, a very enjoyable game. So yeah, fingers crossed we can do that in December. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with all that. I, I think before we close out, probably one thing to to cover really is the the news um, over the past week or so that somebody who has obviously got some serious problems broke into the football club at four o'clock in the morning and stole the her game two and the Slopian Pride banner, uh, which for me just absolutely it, I, I can't understand the mindset of somebody that would do that. You know, who wakes up before, well, who stays up to four o'clock in the morning? And decides like, I'm totally with you. I can time. understand it if somebody's yeah. desperate and they go and nick something to sell. I don't, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I get it. What on earth are these clowns doing? What what, what would make you do that sort of stuff? And it, it leaves an impact, doesn't it? Yeah. But also, what like, it proves is that these banners and these organisations and raising these um, topics is really important because there are people out there who who are... I don't even think I can't even think of words to, to using expletives. I can't really think of words to describe them um, because they certainly do need some help. Yeah, but uh, like big, and small-minded. There's three words. Yeah, yeah. there we go. For big respect to Harry Burgoyne, you know he's got a full you know full-time job being Super Town goalkeeper, but he's he's jumped out there and he's run a fundraiser, and I think he's raised the money to replace the flags, and I think they're in production as we speak. So whoever did it. Very, very small impact on the, the activities of these two sort of groups of fans. Um, they're getting backing from the, the players at the club. I think most right-minded fans, pretty much everybody would be backing them to get them banners back up. And, and hopefully, actually, it gives them some more attention and makes their mission a little bit more successful than it would have been, you know, anyway. So, I, I, I think Lauren, Lauren's the one that uh, we know, Lauren from, from well, Glindia from back in the day as well, from uh, the Her Game 2. 
um, I know that, you know, she was frustrated by it, but it's pushing her on to, to do more anyway. Um, and yeah, just, um, yeah, Godspeed to those groups and what on earth that person was doing, I do not know. Yeah. Or people, well, what were they people, doing? Who knows? And, and they haven't won anything in this. Maybe they can tell tell their idiot mates, oh, look what I did. Yeah, fantastic. Well, one, you could have got a criminal record. <laughs> like, it's just absolute mindless, like, blowing that, that someone would steal a banner and make oh, you get a criminal I record. I found sleep too much. 4 a.m. in the morning. You, yeah. You've got, got something wrong to do with your life. Yeah, something um, wrong with your head. Probably, doing and to be honest, they probably had a net, probably, they probably only helped those causes, to be fair. Um, so whatever they were trying to do, they failed miserably. Um, so, yeah, um, it's not good. Um, and, yeah, I think, well, well we're over nearly nearly up to an hour. Um, we've covered most things we had on the gender mic. Anything, any final comments, thoughts? Not really, no. Um, the only thing I've got looking forward to, and I'll say it quietly because he's asleep upstairs and he doesn't know, my little boy's going to be mascot uh, against Portsmouth oh, on, his cool. on, his, on his actual birthday. So... Um, I'll try and be nice to Matt Taylor and I'll, um, yeah, I'll report back on his experience of the day, but he's, you know, he, I know he'll be looking forward to it. He's a massive football fan, but he doesn't right. actually know he's doing it. And a friend of his was mascot recently. He came to me and said, oh, dad, I really want to be mascot. No one's going to be it. And he said, oh, we can't afford that this year, mate. We haven't got the money. So it'll be a big surprise on the morning of the day. So um, it's a good reason. It's a good idea that Chris says to the fans, they've got to be in good spirits and, and good voice and backing them because my little lad will be down there on the pitch. So yeah, can't wait. So, Mike, my lad did it last year and had the time of his life. So you'll, you'll love it. It'll be fantastic. My Brilliant. lad was actually on the pitch for the last game as well against Port Vale. He got to do one of those dizzy penalties at half time that they've started doing. So the club are good at that stuff, aren't they? They look after the kids. They give them a good experience. And, you know, my boy declared that the best day of his life, probably the best weekend of his life because we won 2-1. He scored a penalty on the pitch. And then the next day he played for his own team, Bastards Juniors. They won 10-1. He scored and he won player of the match. So he had one of those weekends when everything went his way. And right now he's living the dream, as it were. So I hope He needs to retire, Chris. It ain't, it ain't getting better than that. He needs to retire <laughs> now, you know. On that positive note, um, thanks, guys, for joining me again. Mike, thanks for staying with us. You didn't sound like you were too bad. Maybe you were, yeah. Maybe you're looking for a yeah. bit of lots of secret know, lozenges going on over it. Yeah, you're not going to get any kind of can't think of the word. You're not going to get any real support from our group, are you? No, um, nor from my wife either. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks very much, everyone, for joining. Thanks very much for listening. Um, we'll be back again before Christmas. We're trying to find a date um, to try and come do a podcast before. Um, Liam, the new CEO, was offered to come on the podcast again. So we'll get oh, again. He's never been on, but get him on the podcast as well. So that'll be good. Um, and then obviously we'll get into January and play the team that shall be named now. Um, so yeah, thanks for everyone for listening, and um, yeah, see you all soon. Cheers, guys. Here's Cummings. Cummings with another chance. He's done it again. Jason Cummings, Shrewsbury Town superstar. The Shrews have come back from the brink against the European and world champions of the game. You can't hear me, can you?